have a lot of a lot of redundancy in my life in a good way please do tell you know just backups of backups of backups like mark circular saw how many circular saws you got n plus yeah. two mark has n plus two i think he might be like yeah five n yeah, or, yeah. Well, Three and whatever my, it is. Yeah, not on my circular saws. No, I, well, actually, I have four, but one is battery powered, so it's really that's like 0.5. And no, uh, well, that's like just but, having a temporary chiller out there or something. You know, I don't think I, I would I ever mean, use. I knew the contractor. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I don't think I what? would ever use a corded circular saw. Those are my primary. Really, you would ever use a corded power? Yeah. Saw? No, nope. yeah, battery everything. Wait until you build something big. I'm telling you, you just buy a you know two big fat batteries and you're set for the day. No, the battery technology <laughs> has is it's crazy. <laughs> I need to upgrade all of my old battery stuff because yeah, uh, what you can do now is just incredible. I just hate the cord no. and the extension cord and the tripping over it. And let me, you know, I'm doing a long cut, so I got to hold the cord over to my shoulder. So I'm not in the, just the hell with all that battery. But my big circular saw is two and a half horsepower. It's not <laughs> like you're going to have two and a half horsepower battery powered saw. Yeah, I suppose. I don't oh. know. That's just my opinion. What do I know? Nothing. Hey, you know, plenty, you know, plenty. <laughs> instead yeah, of right. redundancy i'd rather go with cloning cloning you know, i was having this conversation I, with that's what me. i prefer yeah right yeah i mean you know with the, with the kids in school what it is you know they seem to have a lot of you know extra time my daughter goes like you know some or you know semi-virtual or whatever they're allowed there two days a week rest of the time you know yep. do your work and everything but it's probably just a perspective of you know being older and just understanding you have the library of Alexandria at your fingertips, literally, you know, yep. and, and I just, I go, I, I would never be bored. In fact, if I had three clones right now, they would be off and running. I would know exactly. And she's just looking at me going, really? You think about this? I go on <laughs> percent of the time, you know, not wishing that well, I had a clone it, necessarily, but you got to be thinking about. If you had clones, do you know how much time you would waste arguing with yourself? Okay, good point. That they had to, to be subservient clones, you know. Oh, oh minions. <laughs> yes, minions. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> no, but I don't think we'd argue, Mark. I don't think that's the point of this podcast today, cloning. So it's it's all relevant. You brought it up. I, I didn't know. bring it up. I know. This I just started it. by saying I wish I was more redundant. Uh Hey guys, welcome to the new Improved Better Building Systems podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Ferry, and here with me today is Nick Taliska, Jim DePasquale, and Mark Sankey. So in today's podcast, we'll be discussing mechanical systems redundancy. And just to give you guys a little bit of a background, if you're not familiar with us, we hosted three other podcasts, uh, Building Management Systems, Energy, and Commissioning. So if you get the chance, tune into those. There's a lot of great content there, but we thought it'd be worthwhile to kind of merge them all into one singular place for you guys. So we're going to dive into the discussion, mechanical systems redundancy. Um, why is redundancy important, first of all, and where can it be applied? And really just break down like what is redundancy? So I know like N plus one, N plus two, N plus three, two N, three N, um, 
a little bit of that. So I don't know who wants to take the ball on this one, but why is redundancy important? Pretty self-explanatory, I'd say. Well, Mark usually has a pretty good definition of the topic at hand. I would say so, yes. So I'd like to invite Mark to maybe give us the, well, the rundown. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll give my two cents worth. So redundancy is nothing but risk mitigation. So it's risk mitigation, however you choose to qualify it, whether it's personal safety, whether it's uh, mechanical equipment uh, safety, so that basically, um, or, or it could be manufacturing process continuation, but no matter how you measure it, it's all about risk mitigation. So where does that, when I say risk mitigation, if a single system fails, injury or death results. So, you know, uh, the most, well, what? Pretty extreme. Yeah. Right? I mean, do we have to go to that? Like injury or death if it fails? Well, where do yeah, we that's see true. the highest levels of, what, where do we see the highest levels of redundancy? You see it in nuclear plants. You see it in places where there are biohazards, like you go to a BSL three or four laboratory. You see it in pharmaceuticals. Yeah, I see where you're going with. Yep. If, if something bad happens, and look, I mean, look at the big pet food thing, you know, we lost control of our process because we either didn't have redundancy or there wasn't enough redundancy in the process control manufacturing. A bunch of pets died. How many food recalls do you see on television every month? Um, yep. How many automotive recalls do you see every month? So most of those places have uh, statistical process control and maybe not enough redundancy or not enough uh, you know, continuous calibration to prevent it or even not enough testing. So we see it in manufacturing, we see it in mass transit, we see it about in data centers. And usually it is to mitigate the risk of either significant financial loss or personal safety. Okay, I can live with that definition more easily than going right to injury or death. But obviously, that is a natural extension of more I don't know, critical or significant systems. But a big part, of, you know, basically, in my mind, redundancy is a backup, right? Yeah. A, a plan B. But I agree totally, Mark. It is a, a facet of risk management, meaning it's a way to minimize the impact of failure. Failure is going to be inevitable for all intents and purposes, right? but it is a piece of that. How do we keep going and minimize the impact to the ongoing operations? Well, Nick, I think, you know, think take a, a hospital, if you're in the middle of surgery and, you know, an HVAC system goes down or, you know, you can't, you don't have the ability to exit people. You know, people are in ICUs. You can't just move them to the hotel next door. Right. You know, an HVAC system, you know, in an extremely cold climate, or even we saw it a little bit in uh, South Florida when their cooling systems failed, it, it really could result in serious injury or death, um, you know, if the you don't have the proper redundant systems in place in those types of buildings, just as an example. You know, I must say going into this podcast, I, I, I the thought of injury or death with redundancy wasn't on the top of my list. And now I feel a little guilty. <laughs> well, when's the last time you flew in an airplane? Well, if you don't think yeah. there are redundant systems on passenger planes. I mean, they're no, you're right. right. I mean, literally everything is redundant. You're, you're absolutely right. And those are kind of things, I guess you, everybody, not everybody, a lot of people take for granted, you know, from the elect, you know, the electrical to the hydraulics, everything on an airplane is redundant. So if one thing fails, you have the other one ready to go. 
guys, I just didn't want to scare anybody right off the bat talking about injury and death. Okay. So but I get it. <laughs> no, and it is interesting because you think about, uh, you know, like mankind has progressed from these traditional sciences, as they're called, right? They're learning and understanding about, about nature, right? We spent hundreds of thousands of years doing that. And now we're kind of in this modern science age, right? And more like technology, right? Technology is from like some Greek word and science is from some Latin word that means to know. And now we're in like making things, but we often make things to imitate nature now, which is weird. So when I think of redundancy in nature, there's all kinds of fabulous examples, but you know, swarms of bees, swarms of anything, they're, they're a form of redundancy. Yeah. And we build redundancy now, and we're talking about mechanical systems, right? Building systems, but you know, personnel is also a big part of redundancy in a complex, you know, operation. So redundancy is a very wide, uh, wide topic. And I firmly agree. It can be from just maintaining that your occupants are comfortable and can do their job uh, to, yeah, preventing serious life safety issues. I like it. Yeah, perfect. So um, to maybe bring it down to like a very, I don't know, basic explanation of like amount of redundancy. Like, you know, everybody hears, you know, N plus one, N plus two, uh, N plus three, maybe two. So what does that mean? Yes. N plus one, N plus two, N plus three, two N. Again, to me, I guess if I had to say it in layman's terms, N is the, is the base requirement of whatever you need to operate, do. And then plus one is, you know, plus one, you have two, plus two is two, plus three, you know, you have three backups, I guess you would call it. So I don't know what could N plus one be the same thing as two N if all you needed was uh, one pump or am I thinking about that wrong? No, you're thinking about it exactly right. So N is capacity. Yep. N is a hundred percent capacity. If I need two boilers to uh, run my building. So N plus one would be either one boiler of hundred percent capacity or two more of your boilers. Yes. Uh, okay. I'll take yep. Go ahead, Jim. Hang there, on. Let me, no, this is, I've heard this debated two different ways. Keep going. I know where Jim's going. I didn't even say anything yet. <laughs> Nick. Yeah, but I heard you with your, uh, uh that, yeah, that was me. Jim was thinking about it, but I'm oh. actually verbalizing. Jump that in. is thoughtful, yep. I guess. Uh, <laughs> You said N plus one would be the same as two N in that example. Could be. Yeah. At least that's uh, how I see it. Two, so, uh, there's two components. So N, right. We're talking about this mod, you know, N modular redundancy NMR. So just like Clayton said, yep. N is the number minimum number of independent components that go mm. into the system. So oh. I'm going to the statistical explanation of N plus one, where Ooh. N is your, unit uh, production, unit of capacity, and N plus one is 100% redundancy to that capacity or unit of production. So that's in statistics, but I agree with you that N can also be the number of modules. So if I have three boilers in my system, N plus one would give me four boilers, which might only give me 50% capacity. Yeah, I think that's getting into the like a two n versus n plus one. Right. Like n is your base 
like your hundred percent installed capacity. Yep. If I have, you know, two boilers, one size for full load, one is a full backup. You could, but to say that it's N plus one and two N, I think both are correct. If I have, um, you know, a boiler, uh, two let's say I have two, two capacity, right? Yeah. So 50% each from each boiler. Right. That's not no longer a two N. It is. Um, you could. Well, no. It's not, it's not even an N plus one. If I had three no, at fifty percent, if I had three yeah. at fifty percent, you could argue that's an N plus one. Correct. But it's not a two. I, I agree with that. I just <laughs> wanted to be uh, throw something out for you guys to uh, chew on my leg about a little. Well, yeah. yeah. No, I think this is an important distinction because I don't think you know when I first learned about this and, and the the mathematics behind it. Yeah, I felt kind of stupid for a while. Like I don't get this. And then you had to go through some examples, but uh, and maybe maybe Clayton, that's the best way to kind of do it is start from, you know, because we only have to go really up to, you know, n plus two, maybe n plus three. Well, I guess it depends on the way you look at it, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, the scalability of that and where yep. the break-even points are, but you know, no. n, where do we see just n? And is uh, rolling the dice every single day. Yeah, I, but I feel like that happens more often than not. Maybe it's in older facilities. It depends the type of facility too. But I think N just there's a lot of just N. Have we discussed which types of facilities do need mechanical systems redundancy? Um, I, Mark touched on it briefly. Like we talked about, you know, manufacturing, which would make sense. Obviously, mass transit. You know, airports, airplanes. Um, anything like that, data centers, stuff where you, you can't have your, you know, HVAC system fail or process system fail, um, where you need that redundancy. We didn't, and if, you, if there's anything you want to add to it, feel free. No, 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 you're good. And then I think the next kind of step is to say, well, what facilities do we see that don't generally have redundancy? And uh, the first thing that comes to me, I feel like when I was thinking about this was schools. Maybe I'm wrong. That was the first thing I came on my mind. Though. I think the single largest population of things that don't have redundancy are residences. Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Going on that scale. Absolutely. I surely don't have redundancy at my house. Maybe shame on me. <laughs> now, Mark, do you think that's a problem? Well, uh, I, I think it is. a. I mean, it would be a problem for me. So I don't have necessarily... 100% redundancy to everything that operates my house, but the essentials you do probably. Yeah, the, the essentials. I mean, my geothermal system has a backup boiler. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, the whole house relies on a single circulating pump. Okay. That doesn't mean I have to have two circulating pumps installed, but I have another one on the shelf, you know, yep. kind of the poor man's redundancy. So that yep. in half an hour, I can have a pump replaced. Um, you know, the same thing is true for, you know, many major components of the mechanical systems of the house. Uh, there's always a filter on the shelf. There's always a, you know, a pump on the shelf, um, strainer screens, all that kind of thing. Even though they're not redundant, I know that being a married man, I can't afford a significant outage of any essential services. So this stuff is always there. <laughs> yeah, you can't just say, go put on the sweatshirt and Throw, get a blanket and you'll be fine for a while. You got to fix it. 
<laughs> well, which is a smart way to run an operation. Too. Absolutely. And I think it, it illustrates a, a, a really important point in that you don't have to be redundant, but you need to know if you're not redundant right. too. So it, and that speaks to, I guess, the larger, you know, risk management, risk mit mitigation procedures that mm -hmm. you might have, you know, how long would it take you to swap out that pump? Not that long, right? So that's yeah. a reasonable thing to do instead of having it piped in parallel. So you can just hit a switch. You know, that's not a major issue. My hot water tank goes down. I wish that was redundant. Yeah. Uh, but that will be more of a problem. But then again, I don't have a hundred people needing to take showers in my building every day. So, you know, we can get by, but you do need to think about these things. And with schools, so you, a lot of schools I've seen have, you know, you know, let's say two boilers, one can meet the, the demand, the design load, and the other one's a backup and they may alternate them and keep one in hot standby and all that. But, and that would be typically what I would consider, I guess, 2N. No? Yeah. Either would, or N plus I, one or two. Or N plus one because yep. that's where the modularity of what your baseline configuration is. And I guess that's an important you know, concept too, when we get into failure modes, you know, failing hard or failing soft. So, you know, hard failure means your boiler's down, you've got no heat. So maybe a softer kind of failure would be, well, we can't maintain 70 degrees, but now we have a boiler that we can maintain 65 degrees in the space or whatever. Or even or just prevent total freeze up of the building, which Bingo. is a worst case scenario, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. And and that kind of controlled degradation that happens when you have multiple component systems uh, aggregated together to provide full capacity is just smart design. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's easier, you know, to have two 60% or 70% machines that, okay, if something happens, and it, it, we see it in process all the time, if chiller one goes down, okay, we know we can shut down non-essential, uh, in many cases, it's non-essential HVAC equipment and maintain the flow to the process to continue, you know, making product. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're talking N plus one, two N. I think right now we're talking more about, you know, designing in like a full redundancy and Mark's starting to talk about maybe a little, um, I guess you could call it partial redundancy, or maybe you have two pumps and they're sized at for 50% of the flow. You know, if one of those pumps fails, that's not necessarily 50% redundancy. Like if that's on a heating system. Yeah, right. You know, if you follow the parallel pump curve, you're going to get mm -hmm. more than 50% flow. You're right. going to get, you know, close over 70% most more than likely on a, at a design condition. And you keep going with that, you know, what's going to happen at the coil, you know, you're actually going to get at the end of the line, you might still be able to get 90% of your heat transfer. You're going to have a bigger log mean temperature difference on the, you know, a higher Delta T, um, you, you know, so all those little things could be planned in the system to provide a degree of redundancy in the not so mission critical projects. Uh, but you bring a lot of value at relatively low cost just by simply, you know, specifying two pumps at 50% versus 
you know, one pump at a hundred percent, you know, if you take that line of thinking throughout, you could pro- provide some value um, for some buildings that may not necessarily be on the radar of, you know, mission yeah. critical. Yep. And I think, well, obviously technological advances have just helped that so much being able to buy condensing boilers yep. and VFDs on pumps and, mm-hmm. you know, multiple compressor chillers and, you know, with the, the mag bearing chillers. I mean, it's just impressive yep. how much like inherent redundancy you can have in a facility now by just buying the state-of-the-art equipment, I guess, if you want to yeah. go yeah, with that. Yeah, and like, you know, with the condensing boilers, if you have multiple, you know, smaller boilers serving the load or with these chillers of multiple compressors and comfort cooling, you know, if you lose one of them, more than likely, you're not going to notice. Like, yeah. You're, you're at your spending the majority of your time in your part load condition. Yeah, no, that's a, I mean, that's a great point. Yeah. Especially where we are too. Majority of the time you're at part load condition. So you'll be able to get by just fine unless it's that whatever month, one month of the year on each side. Yeah, I agree. I like it. (laughs) And, and, you know, adding on to that, that, that cost of redundancy then is, is not much, you know, well, it depends. Well, it, it depends what exactly. Okay. So, I mean, I, I look at it two ways. The cost of redundancy, yeah, there's always overhead, just the steel of the boiler or the yes, amount yeah. of extra piping and all that. But I look at it from the other side where um, maybe I don't have redundant equipment, but I, if, if anybody has ever had a, a HVAC or plumbing guy come to your house on a weekend evening yep. and say, I have to get parts here overnight and blah, blah, blah. And you end up with an $1,800 service bill. That's the time you need to reassess the amount and, and level of inventory you keep at your house and your skill set as far as what you can do yourself. And the same thing applies to commercial and industrial facilities. If you've ever had to get a, you know, a motor quick ship or rewound, uh, and then say, okay, what's it worth to keep a 20 horsepower motor on the shelf? They don't go bad. You really get to evaluate, okay, my total time lost in production was four days versus the motors here. I can now change it in one day. What's that really worth? And I think there's not uh, enough consideration given to that, especially these days, at least on uh, in many of the industrial sites that we've been to recently. Yeah, I got to completely agree with you there, Mark, which is sometimes disappointing because you can almost predict some of these. No, no, no. (laughs) The fact that that (laughs) happens. Yeah, no. Jeez. Um, You know, we're like, you, I don't want to say, you know, it's going to, it's inevitable, but at some point, something's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's not, you can't be surprised by this stuff. Exactly. And well, a lot of people are. Well, and that's why I think you have to kind of weigh it all, you know, and I'm, I'm you know, thinking of more these complex, these commercial buildings we're talking about, right? The big yeah. stuff with a yeah. lot of interconnectivity. Yep. You know, when you're considering, you know, failure modes and the implications, you know, you got to address the probability of occurrence, you know, and you get into some really complicated systems and they use, you know, these MEA, the failure mode and effect analysis and, they originally or you know arrange different components and use you know logic to establish what is the probability of failure 
you know, it's step one. You got to figure out, well, is that that big of a deal? What's the degree of severity with that? And then, you know, I think Jim mentioned it too. There's the ability to, t- to detect a failure is a big part of it as well. And this all ties back into, you know, some things we've talked about before with design and commissioning. You know, a pump is an example where it's a pretty straightforward procedure, you know, to replace, but other types of contingencies or planning for redundancy, they may require, may require, you know, different tie-in points, consideration for storage of inventory and parts. And Mark talked about the skill sets to take care of those replacements, but also, uh, you know, if you go as far as the real estate required, I mean, there's a lot of factors why you you can't say N plus two is the perfect redundancy. Right. It's all very specific, but it also needs to be thought out and there's a you know a lot of balancing to be done and, and nick i think you'll you're starting to touch upon the difference between like a specific equipment redundancy versus the system redundancy you know if i have just a single boiler um serving a whole building but i put in two like n plus one pumps you know that's yeah you you, you have a little bit of redundancy in your pumping system but you don't have any redundancy in the heating side. Right. So you, you have to think of every component, all the major components in the system and, you know, kind of do like a failure analysis, you know, and see where your essentially your weakest link is. Well, you're exactly right, Jim. And, it, and actually we've designed a, a number of projects lately where we have pipe stubs outside the building because it's cheaper uh, to bring in a rental boiler or chiller as long as you have a connection prepared for it than it is to build and operate a second uh, N plus one system. And that's okay, just, that's very that. smart. And that's, it's, you know, it's a great example of cheap insurance right there. Right. Right. Well, great example. And I'm sure there was accommodations for even getting in that temporary boiler or a chiller or whatever it turns uh, out to be. You sit it outside. Well, so I'm saying, but if you know, you've got fancy oh, landscaping and no parking oh, in that yeah. area, <laughs> they can kind of ruin your plans. Park it, yeah. park it on the bush, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, again, I mean, redundancy is a, a complicated issue here, but it is. But to Jim's point, basically, you take it from okay, we can afford to have redundancy of our secondary or tertiary systems, like you know, pumps or fan systems or you know, whatever it is, and then you get to the primary systems, boilers, chillers you know, process equipment. And then you have to say, okay, and what happens if we lose power? Do we have to have generators? Do we have? Oh, to have I was just going to get into that. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, you don't have to apologize. You're reading oh, my you, mind. You have to have a second. There's, there's facilities not too far from here where they have multiple gas and electric utility connections. So it, it all depends, you know, what's the criticality. And I think it's incumbent upon designers to have that conversation with building owners so that, you know, they're not surprised when, hey, the, why is this building cost twice as much as we thought? Well, because you have redundancy of everything from, you know, uh, everything. Yeah, and it's it's really impressive, you know, um, maybe for our younger listeners too, like, you know, I'm three, four years out of college and we've just been spending a lot more time in some, um, some really, uh, what's the right word? I guess, high tech facilities that really can't afford to have any downtime. And you, you wonder like how important is a generator or like, Oh, a, you know, multiple electrical services or UPS backup. Like, yeah, that's really expensive. And it, I don't know, do you really need yeah. it? You, you quickly realize how valuable it is when 
when something fails that you would maybe not anticipate or expect to? And Clayton, I think that's the most uncomfortable question that needs to be asked when you're designing or retrofitting something that, that what if, right? What if it fails? Yep. What happens then? And you just got to keep drilling down on that to you inevitably uncover some things that are, you know, are new single points of failure, yep. which can just, you know, extend out through the whole, you know, architecture, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And- you cannot even predict the number of, un- you know, unanticipated circumstances that cause a failure. Yeah. I mean, I, I get surprised every month by something that happens either on a project we're on or a network where you can't believe this happened. You know, we had a, you know, a glove get sucked into the um, strainer from somebody that maintained the cooling tower and shut down an entire process plant. Oh my and gosh. It, I mean, you know, who, you can't make this stuff up. Right. You know? First yep. time uh, I've ever heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so the service guy just went about his business, but meanwhile, the whole plant shut down, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, you can't anticipate it. And yeah, for granted, I don't think that would ever be discovered in a continuing cascading loop of what then, what then, what then. Right. Uh, yeah. Glove in the strainer. Yeah. Don't forget yeah. the glove. <laughs> But, and that speaks also to uh, detection. I don't know how that was discovered. I mean, obviously, maybe you're having pumping issues. You look at the strainer and you say, well, what's that? But, well, there's uh, only one cooling tower, so the whole chill water plant shut down with redundant chillers. So there you go. So had redundant cooling towers? I don't know. Um, you know, you, you, it, same old thing. You have to draw the line somewhere. Yep. Well, and that is why everybody doesn't have redundant systems on everything. Right. You know, a big part of it is not only cost, but, you know, the, the physical nature of it too. You don't always have room for it. Yep. It's one more thing you have to maintain. You can't just build it, have it sit idle. And then when you push the go button, expect things to happen if you haven't turned it on in two years. Absolutely. So all, all of that's just more expense. And Mark, I think you're, that example there of the chiller and the cooling tower is a good example of rearranging or designing your pumping system to provide a degree of redundancy. Um, you know, say you have a plan of four chillers and four cooling towers. If you have one pump and directly coupled with one cooling tower, um, you know, that that's a vulnerability. Whereas, you know, if a chiller goes down, so does that, a, or if a cooling tower goes down, so does that associated chiller. Whereas, right. you know, if you, if you could potentially have like headered, um, condenser yep. water pumps. Yep. And you could provide, you know, a little bit more flexibility and have one chiller served by another cooling tower. Um, you know, there's just uh, something to think about. You know, a lot of times when we talk redundancy, we're focused on that 100% N plus one. But then you could get into some like, you know, pumping configurations that might provide um, a, a degree of flexibility and, and redundancy with the equipment layout you have. Yep. And that's why the forethought's so important. I don't think you could ever envision some of those things happening, but if you drill down through, you know, cooler down, cool, uh, towers down, chillers down, you know, operating room is down. And then that becomes more of an issue to make sure the cooling system doesn't go down. You know, getting back to the life safety issue. Right? Yeah, no, I agree completely. 
I agree. Well, and nowadays, especially as automation continues to advance and advances more, you know, there's value to the amount of information that an automation system can provide in terms of there is a failure or there's a discrepancy in operating information that we expect may lead to a failure. And the use of that automation data in analytics in concert with redundancy really goes a long way. Well, just being able to have the automation system, you know, pumping, for example, one pump goes down, the second pump automatically starts, you know, right. There's no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It ramps up, whatever. Yep. Whereas yeah, that middle ground is, is very important. I think from between no failure and failure, mm-hmm. you know, the approaching failure. Yep. Uh, yeah, you know, good points. <laughs> I think this is a great discussion, a great second podcast episode for the better building systems podcast. Indeed. <laughs> Anything else you guys want to add to it? The whole discussion? Yeah, in general. I mean, yeah. Okay. Well, there's, I mean, there's a lot of guidance out there as far as improving reliability through design. You know, uh, I think we may have talked about that. I mean, understanding that everything can fail. Yep. Uh, or more importantly, understanding no system is completely fail proof. But boy, another is the, you know, simplicity aspect of it. You know, it's good to choose equipment that is inherently reliable which typically means, you know, less moving parts, mm-hmm. lower temperatures. Uh, and a lot of equipment also has, it's not just a complete binary, it's working or it's failed. There's different failure modes. Uh, and I think some of those things, and I think Mark talked about, you know, you know, provisions for turning off essential loads that can impact, you know, that redundancy requirement that you ultimately need to invest in and have the footprint for and all that. Those are just a couple. I agree. One of the things in redundancy that really traps me that's been kind of designed out in recent years, not even recent years, I hate donut spare tires. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, I think they should be outlawed. I agree. Useless. I think that's the biggest farcical nonsense because everyone says, immediately drive to the service station. Don't go over 45 miles an hour. How many times do you go down the road, you see somebody pass you, you know, in a beat up neon that's banged in on all four sides with one or more donut spare tires on them. No four days in a row. Yeah. It's no longer a spare tire. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's grown roots on that car. <laughs> that, that, that is a great example though of redundancy and the balance between right right? Cost and space and everything. And, yep. you know, even on airplanes, you know, I, I worked for a guy who did a lot of work with, I think it was North, Northrop Grumman. And, you know, you just talk about the battles that go on when you're designing, you know, HVAC for an airplane or something, because space is a premium and you're competing against other resources. And yep. you really need to decide what is absolutely critical and what are lesser critical items. You know, I'm going to add on to Mark's analogy um, to, you know, you got the donut tire. You know, what's a great, like, you know, Nick was talking about failure modes and it does it just completely fail or not run flats. I think those are great. Doesn't completely fail. Yeah. Another, you another know? good example. There's some redundancy for whatever it's worth. 
but I, I would say this too, Mark, that if I, if I have a flat tire, I'd rather have a donut, you know, one of those little small tires than nothing at all. Yeah. Any examples, uh, you guys ever seen like, like really over redundant systems that you thought, boy, they just have a lot of money. Though the only place I've ever seen like N plus two and N plus three is data, like mission critical data centers. Yeah. They'll, they'll have like four Liebert units, like a, a four N in like a small data center. And, you know, only one of them's running. The other is, it's N plus two, N plus three. It's, it's right. crazy. Like yeah, what, are the, yeah. what are the odds of <laughs> three of those things yeah. failing? But, you know, those data centers might be, you know, hosting other mission critical, like, you know, healthcare, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. they, they just cannot, and it's not even just your life safety. It's just monetary. You know, people mm -hmm. are probably paying really good money to have that extreme uptime and they're, you know, to, to them, it's probably super cheap insurance to buy, you know, spend a few grand on some few extra Liebert units yep. uh, to make sure oh, yeah. their data center doesn't overheat. Well, and it trickles through all the way through the other design too. You know, they sometimes will have, you know, two N, you know, with multiple servers and just have spare server racks because that is their mission critical function. Yep. If it's 99.9% .9 uptime that customers are buying, then that's what they need to deliver. Yeah. What about like Even um, cheaper equipment? I guess, I don't know if you want to call it that, you know, I don't know if it's worth talking about. Obviously buying better stuff is some, it's not redundancy, but. Well, I think Mark was touching upon a very important point that, you know, it's not essentially redundancy, but any wearable or um, component, that is uh, prone to failure. Like, like he was talking about your furnaces, like at your yeah. house, maybe, Yeah. you know, have like a spare flame sensor or, you know, the sp super cheap, you know, things mm -hmm. that cost a few dollars, but could save you a huge headache on the weekend when no one's there that you could potentially do yourself or, you know, a tech could come in and do it, but at least you have the part ready yep. to go, you know, yeah, spare filters, yep. Great point. spare belts, you know, all that stuff, just having it ready to go. You guys make you, a big difference. You change those filters on yours? I don't even have a filter. I got a boiler. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you're supposed to change those. Oh, Clayton. I'm kidding. Jeez. Well, you still have to check your strainers. You still have to do yeah. all that stuff, you know? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you're right. Well, guys, this was a great podcast episode. Uh, obviously covered a lot regarding redundancy and it really went more in depth than I would have maybe anticipated it to. There's just, there's a lot to talk about and a lot. You really have to have the, the forethought on for redundancy that, um, you know, maybe some of our listeners tuning in are new to this and you, you guys definitely made me think more about it. So I think it was a really great episode. And for our listeners, stay tuned. Our next episode is titled Keep It Simple, Stupid. So we're going to kind of dive into a conversation about just not over-engineering, over-designing, overdoing anything where you don't need to add complexity. So it should be a great episode. Thanks a lot for tuning in, guys. Have a great day.